0: The 2023 MLB draft has wrapped up and now it's time to make sense of what the White Sox did or didn't do. In just a moment, James Fox from Future Sox will join me to help sort out uh, what happened over the last few days in Seattle. You are locked on
1: White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast, part of the Locked
0: On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Sox fans, welcome back to Locked on White Sox. Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Sox. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search Locked on White Sox. Hey, I'm your host, Nick Morowski, a lifelong diehard Chicago White Sox fan recording this podcast just blocks from the ballpark in beautiful Bridgeport, uh, you can find me on Twitter at nick underscore uh, ggtv. Lockdown White Sox is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day after the break. Our White Sox will head to Atlanta to take on the Braves. Catch every pitch of the White Sox hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Search White Sox. Uh, James Fox from Future Sox uh, joins the podcast to try to make some sort of sense of what the White Sox did in the recent MLB draft. James, welcome back to Locked On Sox.
1: Hey, Nick, what's up, man? Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for joining us. You have got to be, uh, gassed, a, a busy three <laughs> days, uh, a lot going on, uh, with our Chicago White Sox. Uh, I, I guess just kind of go off the surface of the, you know, the first round picks, uh, 15th and then 51st, and then the, uh, a hometown boy, but, uh, Jacob Gonzalez shortstop, uh, from old miss went 15th overall. Uh, were you surprised by that pick?
1: No. So I wasn't like terribly surprised. I will say like, I, I kind of like preferred them to go the prep route, like with a hitter in the first round, but like Jacob Gonzalez is fine. Like, I don't know if you've heard any of like our live show, Like, and I really try not to judge like the first night, because for me, it is like all about kind of the totality of the draft. Like you have nine and a half, the White Sox have nine and a half million dollars to spend. How many players can they get for that amount of money? You know, like Jacob Gonzalez is one of these guys who was seen as like a top six or seven pick coming into the season. You know, he was the shortstop for Ole Miss. They won a, you know, college world series his sophomore year. And then this year he wasn't as good as his sophomore year, but he was still fine. Um, So he was like kind of in that, that mix where he could have gone anywhere between like five and 20, you know, there's a lot of college bats in this class just because of like the 2020 draft was only five rounds. Lots of high school guys went to college. That's basically the gist of it. Three years later is a pretty deep draft. So the White Sox were in a position at 15 where you could kind of like take the guy that fell to you. And it sounds like that's what they did. You know, they were very, I was on the conference calls, like Mike Shirley really just kind of likes this guy. You know, they like that his, you know, his father's a high school coach in California and he's just kind of always performed and always been good. You know, lots of people think he stays at shortstop. Um, You know, it's maybe like 25 home run power, like at its peak and he's got big time on base skills and he's left-handed. Now there are some, you know, I don't know if you've watched, like the swing is, Interesting, I guess I'll say. You know, he Mm -hmm. does, he kind of steps in the bucket a little bit, and there's some issues with it, but it hasn't stopped him from performing like with wood and aluminum, like as far as like in college. So, look, I wouldn't be surprised if they have to like tweak the swing a little bit. It's a lot of power to the pull side, which I've seen some like be critical of, but you know, our buddy Josh Nelson kind of said like good because you know we we always bemoan like our team because nobody like hits to the pull side ever you know I think like Luis Roberts the only one that pulls homers and we hear about this up the middle opposite field approach that all these guys have but like then you get out homered in your own ballpark so I Yeah. yeah I think it's fine I think you know people throw the safe word around and they get worried and they think it's Nick Madrigal or Zach Collins or like whatever but I mean this is a guy that you know, likely could stay at short, probably won't have to because of Colson Montgomery, another guy that I think we'll get to. So look, he could play third. He might be able to play second and it should be pretty quick to the majors. I mean, we'll see where they start him. My guess is he plays in Kannapolis like to start, but I don't know how long he's there. I mean, this is a guy that should spend the majority of his 2024 season, like in Birmingham. And if he's good there, like we could see him pretty quick. I think 2025, makes some sense. And he, you know, at that point he's on basically the same trajectory as some of these other top prospects in their system.
0: Why is it a waste of time to get hung up on the fact that he's a shortstop and we've got Colson yeah. Montgomery and we've got Popeye Rodriguez, and we've got Tim Anderson at the big league level. Why, why is that a waste of time to fixate on the shortstop position? Yeah.
1: Just because I think if you take shortstops all the time, like they can all play somewhere else, right? Most of them can play third or second. Some of them could play center. And if worst case scenario, like they can probably play an outfield corner. You know, it's the issue when Jake Berger happens to be the best player at your spot, right? Like Andrew Vaughn was a no-brainer at the time. He's underachieved quite a bit, but he's still, you know, he's like a decent big leaguer. But I mean, like with a Jake Berger, like you take a third baseman, they're playing first if it doesn't work out right so as long as like you're keep taking shortstops and center fielders because they can play everywhere you know you can take a bunch of shortstops i feel like if you like following the international market like those kids like they're just they're all shortstops and none of them play there like if they make it to the majors but they're all shortstops when they sign
0: Yeah. I like the lefty bat for sure. Um, And uh, uh, Grant Taylor uh, at number 51 um, had a Tommy John surgery recently, I think. But uh, some of the stuff I read uh, still, they loved what he like his upside and what he can bring. Uh, Your thoughts on, on Taylor.
1: Yeah. So like I'm I'm generally like, okay with this, like it is a little bit risky because I feel like we we kind of like, I guess, as like an entire industry, like look at Tommy John and we're like, eh, whatever. Right. Like they just, they always, everybody has it and like they always come back from it. Um, so the White Sox like haven't been afraid of it. They've taken a lot of guys like this. The thing with Grant Taylor is he just, he hasn't really started that much, even though he was like projected to do so. So he was in the bullpen last year for LSU. Then last fall, Uh, or he was great in the Cape Cod league starting, but I mean, that's like 40 some innings. Then he was great in fall ball to the point where he was rivaling Paul Skeens, who was the number one pick in the draft. Like this guy's nasty. He was, you know, there was a lot of people who thought Grant Taylor was going to be like a top 25 pick this year. And then he blew out in February. So, you know, you look at, at draft grades, like baseball America had him at 80 and MLB pipeline, I think had him, you know, like 102, like stuff like that. So like, you know, that's not false, but the White Sox obviously like think he's better than that and they're fine waiting. He's not going to pitch this year. You know, we'll see how many innings he can get next year. So, you know, it's just like a gamble that I'm okay with. I was on the conference calls with Mike Shirley after, and look, we don't know that he's right, but he, he said after night one that he felt like the White Sox got two first rounders that night. Yeah. Yeah. You know that's how they feel. We'll see if it works.
0: Yeah, I, I read that in uh, in a Lamont Pope article in the Chicago Tribune. Um, speaking of local stuff, uh, Downers Grove North, uh, help me with the last wall cow. is it George cow? Yeah. yeah, George okay.
1: cow. Yeah, from Downers Wol-cow. Grove North. So
0: local boy, Um, what do you make of this guy?
1: So very interesting. He's like a kid that we heard a lot about. Um, So he's seventeen. Like he's mm. he's not going to be eighteen until January. So he reclassified into this class. He was going to be one of the top prep players in the area for next year's draft class. He reclassified, graduated high school early, got into this class. Um, you know, there are issues. It's lots of swing and miss, um, you know, the swing can get long, but it's massive, like raw power. And this guy is like six seven, two forty 240 already. You know, the wow. White Sox are going to send him out as an outfielder. I'm guessing this bonus is like, over it's over a million for sure. Probably like 1.2. He had a commitment to South Carolina, but look, he clearly wanted to turn pro. I don't know if, you know, the White Sox had some other targets that maybe they missed on, but you know, they had some money laying around and the way the story goes, like, you know, the area scout, JJ Lally, same guy who basically credited with Noah Schultz last year called up and he's like, look, this is what we have. This is what we can do. Like we're willing to do it. And the kid and his advice, you know, the kid basically took it. So yeah, this is this is an interesting one. I mean, this is like where the baseball draft is weird because he's a seventh rounder, but he's you know he's one of their top four picks for sure. Like if you took this guy in the second round, nobody would have like batted an eye. It would have been oh okay, and then you push some of these other guys down further, and then it does you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's not the NFL draft. That's why I always look at the totality of the picks. And over the next couple of weeks here, I'll tweet out the bonus amounts, and I usually like to stack the class by how much they're paying each guy that that's a better reference than what round guys were taken in. This one's exciting, um, but he's, you know, he's going to Arizona. He's probably a two-year rookie ball guy. So he'll be in their top 30 prospect list somewhere, probably in the middle of it, like in that 10 to 20 range. But this is a, you know, this is a guy that's, that's going to take quite a while, obviously.
0: You mentioned uh, Mike Shirley's name a few times. And, um, and after the break, I just want to pick your brain about, uh, are the White Sox heading in a better direction under Mike Shirley? And uh, what are some other names uh, to look for from this draft class? So more on that uh, in a moment uh, with James Fox. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Sleeper is a fantasy sports and real money uh, gaming app focused on bringing people together through sports and gaming. Uh, Sleeper Picks is... A real money product that connects friends over picks. Choose two to eight of your favorite players from pregame, live, or even across different sports. Pick higher or lower than the predicted stats. Only on Sleeper can you get up to 100-time payouts. To share with your friends and get rewarded together. Swing for the fences on Sleeper picks and you could win up to 100 times your money. Use promo code On, and Sleeper will match your first deposit up to $100. Predict the hottest baseball stats like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and much more to cash in on your daily fantasy baseball skills. Use promo code LOCKEDON, and Sleeper will match your first deposit up to $100. The White Sox face off against the Atlanta Braves on Friday. Catch every pitch of the White Sox hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search White Sox. All right, James Fox from Future Sox is uh, with us on the episode. So just in general, James, I mean, talk about the draft. Uh, obviously, there's skepticism amongst fans that the Sox just can't evaluate talent or can't develop and have little hope uh, in the farm system. Uh, what did you like about you know, what the White Sox did and, and what Mike Shirley has done?
1: Well, so like this draft specifically, like I kind of said I wanted them to take college pitching. They did it last year, too. Um, you know, Mike Shirley isn't afraid to take high school players. I've often written about it. It's like one of the core things that, that he's done. It's like a big change, but like taking college or taking high school pitchers is still risky. And like, I kind of like taking college pitching in rounds two, three, and four, because I think it's just like a little bit undervalued. You're probably not going to get aces, but you're going to get guys that can like pitch in your rotation. So I just like think, and it is a little bit safer. That's where like, I'm totally fine. Like taking a plunge on like a high school guy in the first round, but a lot of these like high school pitchers that you've taken later, they take forever, you know, where some of these college guys move quicker. So I've, i I kind of like the strategy this year. Like, even though Grant Taylor's hurt, I'm fine with that there, you know, their third rounder, Seth Keener of wake forest, Jim Callis wrote up something for MLB pipeline. And he had him as one of the fastest movers, like in this entire class, he just mm. kind of thinks like mm-hmm. he, he could be in the big leagues, like pretty quickly, like within a year and a half. So you know, I like that. Mike Shirley always talks about the arms race. He looks for for starters. Um, I do feel like the White Sox draft less guys that are, like, definite relievers, like, under Mike Shirley. And, look, like, you need relievers, too, but they should be failed starters. Like, taking college relievers, like, doesn't really make a lot of sense. You know what I mean? So, um, so that's good. And then just premium upside this guy looks for. I mean, I know, like, how we've seen – Garrett crochet. And like, it's very easy to look back on that pick and, you know, not think it's great. If you look at the rest of that draft class, like he he's one of the only guys contributing Mike Shirley drafted Garrett crochet because he thought Garrett crochet could be like a middle of the rotation starter. Like it's not his fault that the white Sox rushed him to the big leagues and put him in a, in a bullpen role. Right. And then you look at the two drafts after that Colson Montgomery is a top 30 prospect in baseball right now. You know, he, he, a lot of people, who are very respected Keith Law, Kylie McDaniel. They, I mean they think Colson Montgomery is a superstar. And boy do the White Sox need it, right? So mm-hmm, yeah. Noah Schultz really far away obviously, but he's like making a mockery out of Canapolis right now. He looks like a top of the rotation left-handed starter. He should be on the back half of top 100 lists here within the next couple of weeks based on what he's doing, right? So it's not all about the first round pick, but their recent first round picks look pretty good. One thing that's funny like, and we joked about this at future Sox, Jacob Gonzalez being a college player. Now Mike Shirley's drafted from all four demographics, like in his first four years, I, it's probably a coincidence. I just think it's like a little bit funny.
0: Boy, am I looking forward to Schultz um, and, you know, just the stuff that you're hearing about from him. You know, I can't wait to continue to watch uh, his career kind of moving, hopefully the right direction um, of the 2023 picks. Um, who are you most excited about? And, Uh, Maybe tell us a little bit about the catchers that were taken.
1: Yeah, so I mentioned that Seth, like, I liked that Seth Keener pick in round three, just because, like, I think it's a quick-moving college guy. Like, the White Sox have no pitching depth. Look, obviously, like, I don't know if it's going to be next year, but you add enough guys where, you know, you just, it can't be the way it is at Charlotte right now forever, where you're just, you just have no, you know, you have to pick up Tukey Toussaint's. Basically, Mm -hmm. right? Like (laughs) you should have some of your own guys. So that one, and then like, I kind of consider the fifth rounder, Christian Opor, like I kind of consider him a high school guy, kind of an interesting story. He was the best prep pitcher out of Wisconsin last year, prep lefty. Mike Shirley said on the conference call, they had an agreement with him to draft him in the 11th round last year. And then the A's took him for some reason. And the A's didn't sign him. So he had to pitch at junior college this year. And then the White Sox signed him in the fifth round this year, and they're going to pay him and sign him. Um, So, you know, it's just like an 18-year-old lefty with really good stuff. You know, lots of walks, like he needs to, you know, but it's an 18-year-old left-hander, right? So, you know, I kind of consider him a prep guy, even though he's not really. And then the, the catcher's interesting. So I think this happens in every draft room. But Mike Shirley said that, there were scouts that wanted him in the second round. Like you hear this stuff all the time, right? Like there's, you know, they're, they're paying him 600,000 in the fourth round, which means that he's, he's not nothing. So um, old miss has had seven catchers drafted basically in the last decade. Um, He was sitting behind um, Hayden Dunhurst, I believe the last two years. So he's, he's got power from the left side. His defense isn't bad, but he is hit first for sure. But I mean, even if he profiles as like a guy that can catch, that's like a platoon catcher, right. That, that doesn't face lefties. It's it's good in the fourth round. They just, they haven't taken enough college catching Um, catchers do take a while though. Like uh, their development path is long, but I mean, it, you know, it, 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 it's three years or so maybe. And if he hits like, you know, there's no reason why he can't be a contributor. So I think, you know, 600 K for him, he's a guy to follow. He should, he could go, you know, he could be in Winston-Salem like very soon, like at high A, you know, in mm-hmm. the system. So I think, yeah, that one's, that one's interesting.
0: Good. Um, Yeah. When I saw catchers uh, again, it's like because of the track record of the Chicago white Sox that just always uh, piques my interest. Um, Colson Montgomery, Oscar Colas uh, Montgomery's a little ways away. Colas is here now. Uh, it's been quite a, a journey for him this past season. I mean, what's the future like for these guys? Is, is Oscar Colas going to be your Mm. right fielder of the future? And when could we maybe see Montgomery at 35th and shields?
1: Yeah. I mean, like Colas better, he, he needs the rest of the season, right? Like I kind of feel similarly about Lenny and Sosa, like, Mm. look, it's been 103 at bats and it hasn't been good. It it hasn't been. And like, I don't, I'm not buying Lenny and Sosa based off success at Charlotte. Everybody hits at Charlotte, but he really hit at Birmingham. And Birmingham is a place where White Sox prospects like notoriously like go to die. And he was like, I think Lenny and Sosa is pretty good. I've compared him like at a similar stage to Marcus Simeon. If he's close to that, it would be great. Right. But oh, I just sure. think, I just think we need to find out. I think he needs yeah. three or 400 at bats and let's find out. Right. Like there's no reason to play Alvis Andrews instead at this point, like let's see, and maybe he's nothing, but let's find out. It's kind of like the same thing with Oscar Kolas. Like it, like he, he's a top 100 prospect, but he's a little bit older. His issues he needs to fix in the big leagues. His issues are not going to be fixed playing minor league baseball because, you know, it's chase rate, it's K's, it's preparation, stuff like that. He's got big power, but he's got to be able to get to it to be effective and sending him to Charlotte doesn't help because you face inferior pitching and you, you know, you can display all your bad habits and and still end up fine. So yeah, he needs to play. We'll find out. Like I, I don't know. I think he's a big leaguer. Is he a big league regular? I don't know, but the left-handed bat um, is something that they definitely need. Colson Montgomery is a guy that we could all dream on just because I kind of said it like people who are highly respected think this guy is going to be awesome. Um, He hasn't done it at Birmingham yet. That should be soon. He missed most of this season, but he's absolutely mashing at Winston Salem. There's no reason for him. So the miners start back up Friday. I'm hoping he's in Birmingham Friday. There's no reason for him to play for the dash anymore. It's just not, they've like intentionally walked him multiple times down there since he's been there. Like it's, you know, like the good ones find a way. And, you know, I've kind of said like, we might see Colson next year. And just because like, you know, if he goes to double a the rest of this year and kind of does what he's been doing, he's going to go to the Arizona fall league, which is a prospect like circuit. If he's good there, Like, even if you start him in Birmingham next year, like, if he's still good, man, like, we know what team we root for, like, this guy's going to be up, like, Mm -hmm. it's just going to happen, because I just, like, don't know how much he'll benefit from Charlotte, like, Colson Montgomery being the shortstop of the White Sox to close 2024 isn't that far-fetched, in my opinion. But he has That's to hit, exciting. You know, He has to go to Birmingham, though, and continue to do what he's done, obviously.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. But good points on, on Colos. Like, yeah, you got to learn it here. And uh, there's no point of going down to Charlotte, uh, where some of those uh, issues can hide. Um, after the break, uh, James and I are going to try to predict what the White Sox might do leading up to the deadline and what we hope to see from the Southsiders as the second half of the season plays out. Uh, more on that uh, in a moment. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Uh, Bird Dogs make you look good. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to slit uh, fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts uh, do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit better. They fit better than regular shorts that are made from a uh, stiff, restricting uh, cotton. Bird Dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Uh, Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Uh, I wear these pair, uh, these shorts quite often. Uh, You do anything you want around the house, uh, doing yard work, come inside. You can go for a run in these things if you want. Uh, They are truly some of the most comfortable shorts you will own. Go to birddogs.com slash lockdown MLB or enter promo code lockdown MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. uh, We promise you. All right. Talking with uh, James Fox of future sacks, went over the uh, MLB draft and and there's so much more and, and please. Uh, make sure you're following James Fox and and he'll promote everything towards the end of this and and future socks. They do such a fabulous job with everything. Uh, But we'll talk a little big league club right now is the socks are going to get back into action. And it's been an absolute disappointment and the socks have some real decisions to make some serious decisions. And there's 15 games before the trade deadline. And I really believe that a lot of those decisions have been pretty much made already. Now it's just getting down to the, Uh, you know, to the uh, brass tacks of it all and the details of different uh, uh, plans, perhaps. Uh, James, what direction do you see the sacks going in with regards to personnel decisions uh, as the deadline approaches?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just think it's like evident by now, like that they're just, they're definitely selling, you know, I, I think it just depends, like how much are they selling? Like, I don't, I don't know that, like, I don't have that answer. I would think anything, on a one-year deal is, is probably going out the door. And look, I know like Kendall Graveman has a year left on his deal, but if you can get something decent for him, like I think you always kind of trade relief pitching, you know, like I, they're just like have guys at the lowest point of their value. Like, I, I don't know that I would bet on Tim Anderson being on next year's baseball team, but that doesn't mean that they're going to trade him at this deadline. You have like a whole winter. Like, are you really going to sell low on a guy just because maybe you want to change up the mix. I mean, obviously, Lucas Giolito probably, you know, is is the biggest name that could go, but it's eight Lucas Giolito starts, right? I mean, I think mm-hmm. you get something good for him, but it's not, you know, it's not going to be like a Chris Sale or Jose Quintana return. And then you're, you know, I would think if Joe Kelly can get back healthy, he goes, Keenan Middleton's on a one-year deal. He could go if somebody wants Bummer, obviously he's under contract, but... I mean, I just think it could be anybody like that. And then, you know, I, I we've got our first trade rumor, right? Texas is interested in Lance yeah. Lynn. So, yeah. you know, I that can happen. Like I'd heard that Bruce Bochy kind of wants Lance Lynn. That's fine, I think. You know, and if you could get anything for Mike Clevenger or Ismani Grandal, you just kind of do it and play younger guys at this point. I think the big question is like, you know, do you even take offers on Dylan Cease? And I know that's tough to hear. And like, can you compete next year? Because if that answer is no, like you might want to at least consider listening because you have him for two more years after this one. He's a Scott Boris client. He's likely not staying. Do you go that route yet? Or do you wait until, you know, the off season? Or do you try to win this division next year and keep him? I think those are like the tougher questions. I think it's a pretty easy call to get rid of some of these guys that seem pretty obvious at this point.
0: Yeah, I, I think Gio and, and Lynn for sure. And, and I know the whole like untouchables game. And but I honestly, I'm taking calls for everybody. I, I'm yeah. if you're going to offer me some crazy package uh, for C's because you're desperate or you think you could probably extend him beyond his current contract, I'm listening. You mm-hmm. know, that doesn't mean I'm going to uh, act on it. But I think the whole thing with C's and with Gio and people will say all the time, like, why not just extend Gio? Like, Gio's not that bad. I, I, that's not the point. It's what the white Sox have traditionally done with pitching, you know, yeah. through the ages under Jerry Reinsdorf and they just don't prioritize it in my personal opinion. So if you're looking down the line on C's, you're like, well, we're not even going to sign this guy past this, you know, uh current contract. I don't know if you're getting like max value at this point. Cause he just has been having a down year.
1: Well, so the problem I have is like the typical white Sox move is you keep him you know, through next year, you win 75 games again. (laughs) Then you trade them at that point. You don't get anywhere near as much as you might get right now. Right. The one, the one positive is that there's not a bunch of sellers. Like there's really not like you could be the biggest seller, right. You could have the most to offer other teams. Like, so are you willing to capitalize on that? And it's interesting. You mentioned Giolito. Like I would honestly consider like if, if you can lock up Giolito, like, at an affordable price, like, he wants to stay. Like, I would sign Giolito and consider trading Cease just because, mm. like, Giolito's not better than Cease. Like, he's not. But, like, Cease isn't going to be here long-term. And I just don't know what next year looks like. I I just – I don't. Like, I, they need a lot of pitching. They need to spend money. Like, how much money are they going to spend? Because, you know, like, uh, you you have to feel the team. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Like, they're, they're going to be – in the news a ton. You do a show every day. I feel like you're going to be, you're going to be doing a lot of trade shows or at least a lot of like trade rumor shows, because that's basically what it is at this point.
0: Yeah. It's already kind of started and you, you can really go down some rabbit holes if you want to search for the articles and, you know, Cincinnati reds and, you know, the LA Dodgers are hurting for some pitching, you know, Baltimore is like, Whoa, we have an opportunity here. What could we potentially add Uh, what do they have that they can play ball with the sack? I mean, Baltimore's got a great farm system, right? Like, what are they going to give up? Um, And is anything of us really value to them um, and what they need? But, yeah, it's going to be – I just don't think anything coming out of the gates – and, again, you've got Atlanta for the first three. Nothing's going to really change my mind. Even if they go, like, 10 of 15, I feel like some of the decisions already have been made.
1: Yeah, I, I think they've decided. And and like I feel like at this point like what Cleveland like if Cleveland plays 500 the rest of the way like they're going to win the division easily it seems like, right? Like you just you have to play so far like above what you've shown that you can play. Like it, like if you told me that everybody could start at 0 like I might take mm-hmm. the White Sox, you know, I might yeah. because, you know, yeah. but, but it doesn't work that way. Like you've yeah. dug yourself this hole that you're like, they've, what, they've been basically 500 since then, mm-hmm. which bait, which would have them in the division race, but you yeah. started seven and 20, you, you know, you can't do it. And, you know, those games, I always say, man, those games count just as much as the other ones. I got lots of buddies that are like, oh, it's early, it's early. Yeah, but the losses still count, man. Like, and Pedro Graffoli even said it. Like, you can definitely lose a division in April, and I, I think they did, and it's going to lead them down the path of selling. And look, Rick Hahn never says anything, but he seems resigned to, you know, the fate that they're 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 going to be moving pieces, I think, here pretty shortly.
0: Yeah, there, there's just been a lot of smoke, uh, a lot of smoke, uh, especially around Giolito. So, uh, yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I think that's what we're going to be watching more than um, the absolute play. And then once football starts, obviously, it's going to turn all attention to the Chicago Bears, uh, which it usually is normally. And Uh, The White Sox will be just an afterthought, except for the diehards, for the people that still want to bash their head against the wall and talk about them regularly. Um, James, uh, absolute pleasure, buddy. You bring so much to this podcast. You're a wealth of knowledge. Uh, Please uh, promote where we can find you and all the great work you do.
1: Yeah. So just, you know, on Twitter, it's, it's there. If you're watching on YouTube at James Fox nine one seven, and then I'm over at, at future socks. We've, you know, been partners with socks machine here for a good bit, like two years with Jim and Josh and everybody else over there. It's been great. So, you know, me and Mike Rankin do the podcast every week. We usually drop on Tuesdays, but we've had some extra shows just with the draft and draft guests and stuff too. And you know, we've, we've added a a second podcast with elijah evans where they kind of they do more like about like the miners' games and stuff like that where me and mike are pretty guest intensive so yep that's where uh th- those are my outlets so thanks nick awesome. thanks for having me Matt. yeah
0: absolutely thank you so much james really appreciate it buddy Folks, thank you so very much for making this podcast part of your daily routine. You can find the Locked On White Sox podcast absolutely everywhere you find your podcasts. We're on Twitter, at LockedOnSox. You can find me on Twitter, at Nick underscore GGTV. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Any questions, comments you have, get them in for a future mailbag episode, LockedOnSox at gmail.com. Our White Sox take on the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta. Uh, starting on Friday, catch every pitch of the White Sox Hometown Broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Uh, search White Sox. Thanks for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen every day. And hey, everydayers, you know who you are. I really appreciate it on the next episode. Uh, we'll get you ready for that White Sox Brave series as the Sox take on the best team in baseball. Appreciate you making time for the Lockdown White Sox podcast. I'm Nick Morowski. Until next time. Go sacks.